All right. Welcome to another episode of KCR's, hopefully, favorite sports show, Picked Off. I am your host, Jason Freund, and I am joined by my co-hosts in... Revan Hunde. And Andrew Finley. Andrew Finley. Andrew looking like he's doing a little uh, interpretive dance in his uh, oh, geez. Zoom call. I'm pointing at people. Like, I'm pointing at Brevin right now, and now I'm pointing oh. at Jason. But it's probably inverted because we're doing it on Zoom. That's but. right. Because right now, Brevin is to my left on the Zoom, and Finley... Oh, okay. Right. See, yeah. I have mine, so it's, like, minimized a little bit. Or okay. it's, like, a smaller yeah. time. So, so I can point up and down. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, so... For the first order of business, we get let's get right into it today, boys. Because the first order of business is something none of us actually expected to see this week, or in fact, maybe this year, because now we finally get San Diego State football for the first week in the 2020 season. We're finally getting some SDSU football. Finley, uh, you had a really good write-up on the team and uh, on your column about this uh, about the uh, schedule so far, because we're facing a pretty familiar team, UNLV. So, Finley, as the man who wrote the column, give me your insight on UNLV. What do you think? Yeah, uh, thanks, Jason. Uh, you guys can check that out at the dailyasic.com under the sports section. Um, UNLV's coming into this year. They're rebuilding. They also are getting a new coach in Marcus Arroyo, and they're going to have a new home this year in uh, with the Raiders' new stadium. They're going to be playing there this year. Uh, the Aztecs snuck out of Vegas with a 20-17 victory last year but expect San Diego State to come back this year and um open up the season with a bit of a bit of a warm-up game in my opinion San Diego State's got a lot of guys returning Brady Hoke's been in the program so it's not so it's a new head coach but it's not like an entirely different person like UNLV's dealing with I think the San Diego State Aztecs can really take care of UNLV and um and Carson this weekend yeah, I think too. Another thing is, you know, you're going to see a change in the off, both changes in offense and defense with new coordinators on both sides of the ball. Kurt Maddox defensively and Jeff Eklinski offensively. Also, to keep in mind that the Aztecs did just name a starting QB and Carson Baker. He is going to be the he's going to be the man behind center. So we're we going to be seeing a little more of the. Uh, are we going to st- are, do you think we're going to see more of the run-and-gun style that San Diego State is known for, or are they going to start throwing the ball a little more? I think they're going to do more run-pass option type of plays, mm-hmm. I think, to um, create more opportunities, whether it's for um, whoever the running back is, and there's uh, so many of them. Um, or it's, you know, it's open up the passing game by having those run-pass options. Mm-hmm. I agree with that because – Unlike most years where we've had, um, you know, Rashad Penny and Donald uh, Pumphreys, uh, we don't have a, a set running back this year. We got a lot of returning guys, but we don't have that one guy. So for us to say that we're going to be a run team this year, it's, it's kind of hard to say because we have so many guys who are capable of playing and we also have a new quarterback. So we want to, I can see a lot, a good mix of runs and passes. A good RPO offense wouldn't be out of the out of question either. Yeah, and also you talk about running backs. 
According to the uh, Union Tribune, there are two players of note to take over for Juwan Washington, who graduated last year. The two players to really kind of look at are junior Jordan Bird and senior Greg Bell. Those are the two guys who they're kind of expecting to take the majority of the handoffs here at San Diego State. Yeah, with Greg Bell, he comes, he uh, transferred to SDSU this past year. He came from Nebraska. He played four games last year for the Cornhuskers and um, he ran the ball. 35 times for 173 yards in those four games. Not too bad. Not too shabby. But he is a local product. He went to Bonita Vista High School here in San Diego. Yeah, not that not you mention that. Didn't Isn't Carson Baker a local product? I'd like yep. to say that he was. <laughs> yep, he is. He went to, I want to say, he went to Helix. Helix High School. Helix High School. Makes a lot of sense. They're, they're a really good program here in San Diego. Yeah, Helix always seems to be like that one high school program that just consistently pumps out like NCAA prospects. Yeah, for those of you wondering, Helix is, say, check this, two and a half miles away from the campus of San Diego State. Yeah, so, it, I mean, you could even consider it to be like kind of a feeder program into San Diego State. Pretty much. And we also have a little bit of a preview as well because we have one game because – that game against UNLV is going to be coming, as I look at my calendar, up at the right on Saturday, the 24th. Now, after that, will be Utah State. And if you remember this correctly, San Diego State lost to the Aggies at 23-17. So, a little bit of a grudge match here. Yay, nay. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a grudge going into, into Utah, which is probably one of the furthest um, – games for the Aztecs this year and luckily for them they're they they will not have to face Jordan Love like they did last season when uh they had their I think it was San Diego State's home opener last year yeah it was their conference opener at SCCU Stadium last September where they lost 23-17 you know they're gonna come in with a chip on their shoulder and Utah State they're they're uh they're a good football team but there's a little, there's some question marks at quarterback. So, and with the defensive line that's coming back for San Diego State, that's that was one of the best in the country last year. I think it it could very much overwhelm a a fresh young Utah State offense. Yeah. And yeah, you bring up the defense. You know what can you know you lose Kiavitz, you know, especially there. But what can we expect? defensively, whether it's at the line or it's um, in coverage for this Aztec team defensively? I I don't think there's going to be much change in the defense. Because if you recall, Brady Hoke was a – correct me if I'm wrong, he was the defensive line coach last year. So he's going to be coming in with a defensive mindset similar to what Rocky had last year. So they're going to be running the same or similar defensive scheme as they did to last year. It's going to be like, you know, the warrior position. That's like the hybrid linebacker safety kind of deal they have going on. I don't think it's going to change that much. There might be a little bit of a, might be a little bit of like small differences, but it won't be that much. This defense is going to be fine, especially against a freshman quarterback at, in Utah. And with on the offensive side, San Diego state, 
was down 23 to three after uh, four quarters last year against the Aggies. And that one of those scores for Utah State was a pick six. So if the if San Diego State can either come out of the gates firing and scoring early, or if they can prevent the Aggies from scoring early, and if San Diego State can control the football and hold on to the football, they they look like they'll they'll be in good shape when they travel to Utah. I'm I'm hoping that Carson Baker does a good job at quarterback because he did make his debut last year against BYU, and it's kind of a BYU is always a really tough team because it's BYU. Somehow they're always doing good. We showed him down last year. Yeah, he did a good job against them last year. He stepped in for Ryan Agnew. According to this, he went 19-24, threw a touchdown. So you can't really complain. The production is there. I think he can bring it. He can keep that production up this year. But, you know, honestly, when was the last time San Diego State had a really good quarterback other than, like, Ryan Lindley? Yeah, I was going to say that was the last guy I can think of. And he was – he went to the NFL. I don't think he threw a – he might have thrown – I think he threw like four touchdowns to 16 picks or something like that. He, he wasn't... threw a few touchdowns. I remember he was on ESPN for one of his touchdowns and he was at the Cardinals. I remember he was – because Carson Palmer got hurt, he was the backup for Arizona for that playoff game against Carolina when mm-hmm. Carolina beat him as a 7-9 team. Yeah, that's – I remember thinking, man. Not a great look for – for the San Diego State product. I'm pretty sure Ryan Lindley is actually coaching quarterback prospects now, or he's like a coach somewhere. I want to say he's coaching. Oh, I think last I heard, I could be completely yeah, wrong, he's... but I thought he was coaching at uh, El Capitan High School in uh, Lakeside, California. I think so. Brevin, you were saying something? Yeah, he, I think right now he's coaching at Utah, uh, the Utes. Oh, uh... wow. That's a lot bigger than El Cap High School. <laughs> Yeah, just yeah. so you might be thinking of um, Ryan Matthews. He's, uh, I know he's coaching in San Diego. Mm, yeah. The other Ryan. Yeah, the other he Ryan. Went to Fresno. He went to Fresno State. Yeah, yeah. He was, if you, people who don't know Ryan Matthews, he was the guy drafted by the Chargers after they let go of the Ladanian Thompson. First round pick. I feel bad for Ryan Matthews, though, because he had a lot of expectation thrown on him. Like he had to, he had to, he was literally stepping in the shoes of a literal Hall of Famer. Like, how do you replace him? very smart. Yeah, and the Chargers tried to, like, brand him as the next LT. You, you can't destroy a kid's confidence like that. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> Just another another mistake in a long, 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 very long. Oh, we could be here all day. We, we can have another show talking about the Chargers, Jason. We, we could have an entire show just talking about all the things that Chargers have messed up in the past. Oh my God, that would be, oh my God, that would go for maybe an e- easily an hour. We could go on about the Chargers and the terrible things that they've done. So before we get on a tangent about the Chargers and how awful they were, oh, I just want to say, I wish luck to the San Diego State Aztecs and they're coming into football season. I so far, there's there's no word on any COVID cases here on on the campus that at least concerned the football team. I know Brady Hoke said a few players have opted out because of potential or fears of COVID, but so far it's no starters. So that's 
positive <laughs> thinking. Power of positivity. Let's do it. So far, so good. Mm -hmm. Now, going from one aspect of football, from college football to the professional world, there's quite a bit of news coming out in terms of the NFL. I think one that I want to start with, we're losing someone big. It's quite a big loss. Ryan Fitzmagic, Fitzpatrick himself, is being benched by the Dolphins. Now, uh, so it's kind of weird, though. I'm not sure exactly why the Dolphins are pulling us off. They're starting Tua Tagovailoa. I'm going to butch this name. I'm so sorry. Tagovailoa. Yeah. Tagovailoa. Everyone knows who Tua is. Yeah, he's They're just Tua. Team. Everyone just calls him Tua. The, the Dolphins are going to be starting Tua in place of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tua made his debut last week, and it was just like as like a mop-up guy. He was there like, all right, we're winning. We're completely destroying this team. Tua, get out there and just hand the ball off. Maybe top throw a couple passes. Just don't kill yourself out there, kid. Have fun. But now they're actually having him start after the Week 7 bye. Do you think this is a good move, or should Ryan Fitzpatrick continue to be the starter there? It's kind of tough because when you look at the way the playoffs are and you add that extended playoff team with the new playoff format that the NFL is going with this year, you know, the Dolphins being at three and three, answering their bye week, they're two spots back to that seventh spot uh, with the Colts. And, you know, it, with this extra playoff team, it opens up an extra spot. And that could be a team like the Dolphins. Yeah, and this is a really interesting move because normally with Ryan Fitzpatrick, he'll start off hot and he'll he'll be a guy where it's like, whoa, where's this guy coming from? And this year he didn't have like a explosive start, but he had a good start. And we and we saw some Fitz magic, as people say. And what what usually happens is we see this Fitz magic happen at the beginning of every season, but then right after that we see the Fitz tragic where he just falls apart and then he becomes the backup quarterback because he's failed to be a starter. Mm -hmm. But this year we didn't see Fitz tragic. We didn't see any poor, like horrible play by Ryan Fitzpatrick to warrant someone starting over him. And even he admitted, he said, I, I can't, I'm heartbroken. He was heartbroken. He couldn't believe that at this point of the year, that Tua is going to start over him. He understood going into the year that Tua had a chance of uh, making a start this season after after um, after a few games. But for it to happen now, really interesting. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's just as surprised as everyone else's. Now, I do want to say this because Tua is a prospect. Obviously, he's he was a first-round pick. If Tua doesn't work out this week, they still got Ryan Fitzpatrick, but why not work Tua during the bye week and give him a shot the next week? Because he is the future after all. So it's a little weird, but it also it makes a little bit of sense too. I'm not I'm not exactly sold on it because for me, I still think the Dolphins should be tanking right now. Like I think the Dolphins need to keep that tank going at least for one more year because you forget. They also have the draft pick of the Houston Texans, the first and second round pick from the Houston Texans. That first round pick of the Texans is going to be at least top 15 because of how bad Bill O'Brien was the head coach. And combine that with your own draft pick that you have, that's at least two picks, maybe in the top 20. Those are really good picks. And also 
looking at their week eight opponent after the week seven bye, they're facing the Rams. That's a team with Aaron Donald on the defensive line. Do you really want to throw your rookie quarterback in his NFL, making his first NFL start against a defensive line like the Rams and just have him get obliterated? I don't think so. I think you start Fitzpatrick against the Rams. If you want to start Tua, then put Tua in after the start with the Rams. Well, you talk about tanking, and like I said, Fitzpatrick's doing well. And maybe this is a way to give Tua experience while also not being extremely successful to the point to where you get your good draft picks. I think that's a – I don't think that's what Brian Flores would do because Brian Flores is a really, really good head coach with minimal talent. But maybe maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that's what the, the owner wants. This could be all to ownership. So I get be, your point. Yes. You have a really good point. Mm-hmm. But I think Tua filling in might be them quote unquote tanking. I don't think they're tanking. I think they're just trying to get young guys some more experience. Yeah, well, I think see. I would only ask, you know, is this the right time? Because you shut the shut out the Jets twenty four nothing. But then the week before that you beat the forty ers in Santa Clara forty three to seventeen. Is this the right time to make that move? Knowing that you have the Rams followed by going to Arizona and facing the Cardinals. Yeah. The Cardinals, with, with your point of them getting the Texans first round pick and the Texans being one and five right now. And I don't, now I'm starting to understand what you guys are saying. I don't get why Fitzpatrick got benched if they're doing well with him if they can somehow make it to the playoffs and still get that first round pick from the texans that's going to be first top 10 top 15 pick Mm -hmm. why not go for it if you can like that's how i see it anyways see i'm always under the impression if i was a general manager and i had a pick at the top 10 and i know i have a rookie quarterback i'm drafting an offensive lineman i want to protect that rookie quarterback as much as i can Mm -hmm. You need the offensive line. And if you can get that top 10 pick from the Texans and there's a guy like that on available, you got to take him. That's just me as a general manager, though. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. All right. So now we also have just a – now there's also a really interesting cause because Adam Schefter coming out today, if I can find the actual – tweet i'm just gonna all ball all free ball it because there's a certain pittsburgh Steeler, former pittsburgh Steeler, who is going to be coming off of a suspension now if you don't know who the Steeler is it's antonio brown it come on everyone knows antonio brown everyone knows the yeah, guy with raider nope. yeah former raider extraordinaire <laughs> former legendary patriots and did something in the Steelers. i don't know Antonio Brown. That guy, okay. Yeah, that guy. He's coming off his suspension in week eight. So there are some teams looking at him, and one of those teams just happens to be the Seattle Seahawks. Is that a good fit? Because they did sign another troubled, I say troubled, wide receiver in Josh Gordon. They couldn't really do much with Josh Gordon. So would Antonio Brown work in Pete Carroll's system with Russell Wilson or – are we just going to see another Antonio Brown 
meltdown again. Um, you know, I think comparing this to a Josh Gordon, it's it's a little different because Josh Gordon went he he was on the Browns, but he never played because he was always suspended. Like mm-hmm. he it felt like he was it took him it was like he finally is playing after two years and then he played like two games and then he got suspended for pot again. So he spent like three, four years off the NFL football field. Antonio Brown's a little bit somewhere, but it's it's like a year removed, right? It, like, did he play for the Patriots in, last year? Was yeah, that what played, it was? Yeah, he played last year, but then he got suspended. And uh, also, um, Brown is extremely talented. I'm not saying that Gordon wasn't talented, but Antonio Brown's something special. Like, if he was able to keep his head straight and just play football, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He was, he can catch deep balls. He could take slants to the end zone. He could return punts. This is a guy who could really do everything. Where Josh Gordon was a guy who could catch the deep ball and and he was a big body. Antonio Brown's got all the tools you want as a wide receiver and as a special teams like returner. Um, and I think if some if a team were to take him on, they'd have to have a strong head coach. They'd have to have a strong quarterback and just to keep him on the straight and narrow. And if anything, sign him to one year so that if it doesn't work out, if he gets suspended, you're not trapped with him. But for the Seahawks, I think, I think their receiving core is already strong enough. I, I think this would just be a power move to try to separate themselves from the Rams and the Niners and the Cardinals in their division. That's Now that you mentioned that, that is a really good division right there. That division is loaded right there. But I still think that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, okay. I still think that Antonio Brown, when he took that hit from Vontez Perfect in that playoff game against the Bengals, I still think that had something to do with all of his issues right now because he had a concussion. That was a definite concussion, helmet to helmet hit. I still think he's suffering from the after effects of that. Yeah, the only thing I would say, yeah, with that signing is it not only does it put you up against not just the teams in your division, but in terms of against teams of the NFC, you know, teams like the Green Bay Packers, for example, or the Saints or the Buccaneers, does that put you ahead of um, those teams if you're like the Seahawks? You know, when it comes time for the playoffs. Yeah, you. Look, Antonio Brown's always going to be a controversial topic. I know there are some Seahawks fans that want to sign him, some that don't want to touch him with a ten-foot pole. There's other teams that could use wide receivers, but it's it's going to be fun to follow this debacle. It, I think it'd be really fun to see him on the Cardinals. You get dip. DeAndre Hopkins on one side and Antonio Brown on the other side, or as a slot. And then you get Christian Kirk as another outside receiver. And then if you need another guy, you got Larry Fitzgerald with Kenyon Drake and um, Edmonds Edmonds as your running back. That would be Tyler Murray as your quarterback. That's an explosive offense right there. That is a, that's a nuclear offense. 
that offense would be insane. And with, with Larry Fitzgerald, he could be just the mentor. He could be the guy, the, the grizzled veteran who's there just like, you know, point them in the right direction and tell them exactly. basically just behave. That's not a bad idea, Finley. Wow, that's a great idea. I'd make a great GM. Plus two, (laughs) you know, you bring up the point about Fitzgerald too. I think he'd be able to keep his teammates accountable too. Mm -hmm. And that chemistry, you know, with the accountability of having a player like Larry Fitzgerald who has been in that franchise for as long as we can remember, even was part of that Super Bowl team. Um, 2009 or 2010, you know, against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he'll be able to, you know, like I said, just keep that team accountable, even with Antonio Brown, if he if Brown signs with the Cardinals. Okay, so looking at this, uh, Larry Fitzgerald was drafted in 2004. He was the third overall pick in 2004. Mm-hmm. And if if that date is familiar, it's because the Chargers picked Eli Manning first overall and then traded them for Philip Rivers. Uh, oh, Eli. Oh, Eli. I mean, you can't blame Eli now. I'm kind of happy it happened because I love Philip Rivers. That guy's amazing. Mm-hmm. Just at everything. Amazing person. Funny personality. Yeah, that worked out for everyone. He was a better quarterback, too, just in a bad yeah. system with a bad owner. That's what it came down to. Thanks, Banos. 2004. That was a crazy – that was kind of like an amazing year for drafting because you got Eli Manning, Larry Fitzgerald, Mm -hmm. Phillip Rivers, and don't forget Ben Roethlisberger was also drafted in that draft. Even Vince Wilford, he got drafted too. The 90s, dude. And it feels like – it always feels like, oh, this is Big Ben's last year, and then he comes out, and he's doing what he's doing right now. He's undefeated. Really impressed think, with Big Ben. I think what the Steelers do is just load him up with enough painkillers to numb an elephant, and then just toss him out there, saying, "All right, get out there, Ben. You have your medicine. Keep, keep well, he is big, and, like he is as big of an elephant, but he is very big. big. But he's a big guy. He's a big, tall quarterback. Oh yeah, but yeah, that's. Jesus, that draft was insane too. Didn't the Chargers get like uh, some injury? Yeah. Didn't didn't the Chargers also get like um when they drafted when they traded for Eli, they got a couple other picks, didn't they? I think that might have been the draft where they got um Sean Merriman. Yeah, look at okay, now now I want to look okay, now I'm going to Wikipedia to actually look this up because I want to see who the Chargers <laughs> also drafted. Okay, with those picks. In the third round, from their pick from the New York Giants, they got Nate Kading. Nate Kading was one of he their was a great kicker. I don't care what anyone says. He might have blown a few games. <laughs> He's a great kicker. Yeah, Nate Kading. He, he Stop was the, laughing at me. <laughs> I like to call it the uh, the Nate Kading screw job when uh, someone brings up a San Diego kicking, like when someone messes up a kick for the Chargers. I like to call it the Nate Kading screw job. You know, like the uh, like the Montreal screw job, because you know Nate Kading. It, it just always seemed like, yeah, the guy was a great kicker, not gonna lie. But when it came to playoffs, he just malfunctioned. He's the yeah. 
you look up San Diego chokers in in the in the dictionary, and there's a picture of Nate Kading missing a field goal against the New York Jets. Uh, missing two field goals actually, and an extra. Oh, field goal. and we lost seventeen to fourteen, I think. Uh. Yep. To Mark Sanchez and the Jets. Same quarterback that had mm-hmm. the same quarterback that had the butt fumble. Oh yes. It. it the butt fumble is kind of like that thing. It's like when Bartolo Colon hit a home run. It's like, where were you when the butt fumble happens? Yeah, pretty much. It was a Thanksgiving game, so I bet a lot that of people were just like... It was a Thanksgiving game against the Patriots, no less. Mm-hmm. Of all the teams to be against, it had to be the Patriots. Yep. Oh, my God. Kind of. Thank you for the amazing memories. I think he actually came back a couple of years ago to play for the for Washington. Uh, he played for the Cowboys for a little bit, and then I forgot where he went after that. But I know he played for Washington for like a quarter. Like he came out of nowhere to play for Washington randomly for one quarter to replace someone injured. Then they booted him out because he was so bad. All right. So after the <laughs> the amazing discussions on on Nate Kading and that crazy 2004 draft. It's time for some... Only on Picked Off. Yes, only on Picked Exclusive. Off. Exclusive. Nate Kading conversations on Picked Off. Can't Ex- find this kind of content anywhere else, ladies and gentlemen. No, this is only the, this is only the best content you get. <laughs> so, now I want to talk about something a little more, a little, just as interesting. Because week seven, got some pretty good games lined up. Not going to lie. There's a... A lot of interesting games we got coming up here. So we've all had a quick pick on what games that we're going to be paying attention to or because they're actually good. So I'm going to say let's start with – all right, Brevin, let's say, what do you think – what's your game of the week for week seven? That's uh, a couple of undefeated teams. You were talking about this team earlier with Big Ben. We're taking, talking about the Steelers here um, going on the road to face the undefeated Titans. Um, the Titans, obviously, they're coming off that that wild overtime victory against the Texans last week. Um, Derrick Henry had also a 94-yard touchdown run in that game. Um, and surprisingly, Tennessee has done well as the Finley is celebrating. Only if we uh, were able to put video, you'd be able to see that. <laughs> you know, and you add this Pittsburgh defense – and I don't know if this Pittsburgh defense is going to challenge Derrick Henry in this um, Tennessee offense enough. Mm-hmm. I think what will happen with um, the, t- the Steelers defense is they got a really, really good, strong secondary. So I think that Tannehill out of the gate will struggle with um, – is it A.J. Brown? Is that his name? Yeah. Yes. A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Gianna Smith. I don't know if they'll be able to get open nearly as much as they've been able to all season. So, and Derrick Henry's a beast. He can he can run people over. He has breakaway speed. But if, if the secondary, which is made up, I don't know what the Steelers have. I'm guessing they have four deep. They have two corners, two safeties. If they're able to stay deep, then the linebackers in D-line should be able to handle Derrick Henry. Seven-on-one, or I guess if you count the linemen, it should be seven-on-seven because if you count the tight end as a blocking tight end. But I think 
what that defense will do will make the Titans one dimensional and that'll really limit what this Titans are able to do. And I think that I think Derrick Henry can be a difference maker or the Steelers can just completely shut down the Titans. And you talk about that revamped secondary for Pittsburgh. It's been listening to some Pittsburgh fans. People have been calling it like the revamped steel curtain because that's how good it's been. I mean, look at Minka Fitzpatrick, the guy from the Dolphins. They sent a first-round pick to the Dolphins to get Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't know what they were doing at the time, but Minka Fitzpatrick is having an amazing season as a safety there. I think if anyone's going to be succeeding against Ryan Tannehill, it's going to be Minka Fitzpatrick against Ryan Tannehill. So they're going to have to focus on the run, and if you shut down the pass, then you can expect the run. That will You can then just shut them down right there. But again, Derrick Henry is just – a bowling ball. I Means a superhuman. Look what he did to Josh Norman a couple weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> that was so cool. Josh Norman is such a tool. Bad. Isn't it like the second time it's already happened to Josh Norman at one point in his career? Like, didn't he get tossed around by someone else too? Well, probably. Poor guy. I mean, I yeah. Feel... Derrick Henry tried throwing him into the stands, but his his hand his grip slipped. That's he all. That's all that happened. A little bit. So, Brevin, who do you think is um who's going to take this game? Because it is a really good game, and I know I just um, I just kind of said how the Steelers can stop the Titans, but who do you think yeah, is going to take this game? No, I feel like the Steelers are win this game, and I'm going to have to go with the Steelers' offense that's going to take over. You know, James Conner with the way he runs the ball, and then you have Chase Claypool, especially what he's done oh, yeah. the past couple of weeks. You know, mm-hmm. we had what is it three touchdowns a couple of weeks ago. You know, oh. and I feel like. Yeah, four touchdowns a couple weeks ago, and, you know, if, you know, the always the tough thing, no matter what type of sport you play, the always tough thing is how well you can win on the road. And for the Steelers, if they can get this win on the road, it's going to be a huge step in that AFC North division, especially when you have a team like the Ravens um, that you have to compete with. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with you. Go ahead, Finley. I think the I think the Steelers take it. They have legitimate receivers, and they got Big Ben at quarterback with James Conner um, as a running back. I already mentioned how good their defense is. Let's not sleep on the on the Titans though, because even though they're not a flashy team, they're a team that wins. They're undefeated, and I think a lot of that is attributed to Mark Frable. Is, is it Frable? Is that yeah? Okay. You got it. I, I don't know why I thought it was like Grable, but Mark Frable was an extremely talented head coach. And he took Ryan Tannehill, who had a losing record in Miami. And he's Ryan Tannehill's been 12 and three since he's started last season. So I think the Steelers take this one, but I think it's going to be a close game. This is great. I think this is game of the week. Good pick. I'm going to go with the under here. I'm going to say the Titans are going to take this one. I don't know. I just, I mean, look, I know Pittsburgh's got a great defense and all. And I know their offense is borderline electric. But there's something about the Titans that just makes me feel like these are going to be the guys that pulled off. I mean, they shut down the Bills earlier in the season. They beat the Bills earlier in the season. They beat a team, the, the Vikings, who, like, they barely beat the Vikings, even with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And they took out the Texans, who even without, even with Bill O'Brien gone, they're still a good team. I mean, you got Deshaun Watson there. 
I actually think that the Titans will be able to take this victory. I don't know how. I'm maybe I'm just saying it to be different from you guys, but I kind of like the Titans in this one. I'll, I'll bet for the I'll root for the under on this one. I mean, it's two it's two on one, but you you don't. It's not like a bad pick. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. Really good teams facing <laughs> each other, so yeah. like you can't really go wrong. So don't don't feel like you're like. You're up against it. Like you picked no, a good. No, no, not at all. Yeah. All right. So we have Brevin's offer now. Finley, what do you got in store? You know, I'm going to pick two because all four of these teams are in the same division. The first one comes on Thursday night Barn Burner, Eagles, and Giants. Now, Oof. the Giants are without Saquon Barkley again. They got Devonta Freeman as their running back, they got um, duct tape at receiver. With um, they got Sterling Shepard. They have Evan Ingram, but they have no O line. They can't protect Daniel Jones. He's always under pressure. Mm. They have a good defense, though. Even though they gave up a lot of points to the Cowboys, and and they got their first win last week, so they could be carrying that momentum to Philadelphia, whose team is beat up as anyone right now. But they're on the mend. You, they lost their running back, uh, not Emmanuel Sanders, but um. Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. Yeah, Miles Sanders. Research, Miles. Which that hurts not not because he was a big playmaker, but because they're already hurt. They have they don't really have anyone on the outside. They lost their first round pick for a few weeks. Alshon Jeffrey should be coming back soon. But mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, similar to Daniel Jones, has no time in the pocket. And I'm gonna pick the Giants to win this game. Honestly, I think if the Giants pass rush can get to Carson Wentz, that they won't be able to do do anything. It, it's going to be a low-scoring game. Definitely. And the second game, because they're in the same division, is between the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team. I know what you're expecting me to say. I didn't say it. But the Cowboys showed last week that without Dak Prescott – their, their offense is is not very good. They're not very well coached. They're they're already complaining about uh, Mike McCarthy. They're tweeting out that the coaching staff is a joke. And then Washington football team, they don't have a they really don't have an identity. They have a good defensive line similar to the, to the New York Jets. This is a toss up game because yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but this is. This is going to be a weird game for me because I don't really know which it's, it's like a team of who's, who's going to suck less. Like that's the kind of game this is because they're both so bad. Both I mean, the games I, I picked are like that. And whoever wins this week is most likely going to be on top of the NFC East. Oh my God. Just to which is this. why I picked these games because the highest record is two and four. And that's the that's, Eagles, right? That's the Cowboys. Cowboys? Oh, my God. And one of those wins more. was against the Giants, who I think are going to beat the Eagles this week. So, and I think the Cowboys can, if the Cowboys defense can stop the Redskins offense, which doesn't really have any weapons on it, I think they'll, I think the Cowboys should be able to come out on top. But that defense has been real suspect. They just gave up a ton of points to Arizona last weekend. Oh, or, yeah, no, that was got, on Monday night. 
Yeah, yeah, that was a couple nights ago. Yeah, they got chewed up on Monday night. Kyler Murray decided to have a vacation. Two real interesting matchups that um, I think whichever team wins this week, whichever team comes out on top of this week, I think they should be able to carry that momentum through the rest of the season. Whether they're 7-9, 6-10, they should be able to win the division just because of how horrible Mm -hmm. and how poorly run all four of these teams are right now. And the Cowboys really should have a better record. With all that talent on offense, with, you know, they did have Dak Prescott until he got injured. You have Zeke, you have Amari Cooper, you have CeeDee Lamb, you have Michael Gallup. All those weapons on offense, you only get a two and four record. Oh, that's so bad. Now they're counting on the red rifle himself, Andy Dalton, who's been rusting in a cabinet for two years. And you also, on, on defense, they're like, oh, once we get Van Der Esk back, we're going to be we're going to be solid. You gave up 38 points to the Cardinals at home in the Jerry Dome. I don't care if you don't have an offense. You say that you're going to be solid after after Van Der Esch comes back and you give up 38 points. You're not a good defense and you shouldn't. And, I mean, just look at this these past some of the past few games they've had. The, again, they gave up 38 points to the Seahawks. They go 49 points to the Browns. And against the Giants, they go up 34. How do you give up 34 points to the Giants? With Daniel Sir Fumbles a lot, Jones. Jason, you know what Stephen A. Smith would say? What? <laughs> How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure Stephen A. Smith, every time the Cowboys lose, he just immediately calls up Skip Shannon to talk crap. Oh, yeah, him and Michael Irvin. Oh, my God. Skip, skip, please, not being such a cowboy homer. All right, Jason, what's your pick of the week? Ooh, my pick of the week is one that I, in particular, will be focusing on because I do have one of these players on my fantasy team. Unfortunately, it's not Russell Wilson because my quarterback is Matt Stafford. Pray for my team. But my pick this week is going to be a matchup between two NFC West frontrunners who I honestly expect both of them to make the playoffs this year. We're getting the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, this is a match I like for the offensive potential we have. Because let's face it, both these teams on defense are not that great. They don't have a great – they're okay, but they're not – Right. It's not Legion of mm-hmm. Boom, but right now the two quarterbacks here, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, I really do see Kyler Murray as a potential Russell Wilson. I see that as his ceiling. He could be the next Russell Wilson of this league. He's fast. He's He was a baseball player. He can throw it far. He's, he's a mobile quarterback. I honestly see him as Russell Wilson reaches his full potential and Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson he has an amazing cast of he has, he has that amazing wide receiver cast he's got oh my god I can't think of his name or not Metcalf DK Metcalf got Tyler Lockett Chris Carson's there on the swing routes Rashad it's, Penny oh man Rashad Penny <laughs> first round pick first round pick please get healthy Rashad we need you back I'm rooting for you, Rashad. I want you back sooner or later, please. Torn ACLs are no joke. 
Also, speaking of Aztecs got injured, Demonte KZ also got injured yep. on the Falcons, which sucks that he was like the only good secondary they had on there. Achilles. Achilles? It was an Achilles injury? Yeah. Why KZ? He was he was doing so good too. But anyway. keep going about the Seahawks. Seahawks Cardinals. I'm getting distracted again. I really think this is going to be a fun match to watch. I mean, there's going to be no defense here, of course, but in a matchup where we've got Russell Wilson versus Kyler Murray, you have New Hopkins versus DK Metcalf. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch, especially for the offense. Now, who I'm taking to win? I honestly think, in my heart of hearts, I'm going to pick the Cardinals in this one. I really think the Cardinals can take this one and surprise Seattle. Because I know Seattle has the weapons. I know that Russell Wilson has that magic Aaron Rodgers ability to pull a win out of nowhere at the last second. But I really think, I'm really going to take the younger team on this one. I think the Cardinals are going to win this one. That's my opinion. I don't know what you guys think, though. I actually agree with you. I think that Arizona can pose a little bit more of a threat at the corner spots against Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And if they can shut that down, then the the fourth quarter magic for for um, Russell Wilson will pro- probably also be shut down because that's who he likes to go to. He likes to go to DK Metcalf. He likes to go to Tyler Lockett. And there's two-minute drills, and they are textbook. But if the Cardinals can shut that down and Kyler Murray can take care of the football, then I don't see how the Cardinals lose this game in Arizona. I'm going to have to go with the the Seahawks on this one, and it's primarily just because of Russell Wilson. I mean, the guy's got 19 touchdowns through six weeks. You know, and what what Russell Wilson's been able to do, it's – surprising that he hasn't won an MVP yet and this game can prove it especially when you're five and oh this is a divisional game and it could get you further to where this team wants to go especially to where that team wanted to go in 2014 Um, not just to get to the Super Bowl but to win that Super Bowl with Russell Wilson um, as a as, as the quarterback how has Russell Wilson not won an MVP yet? That, 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 that is a shame. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. That's right. Tom Brady. All Easy. right. That's it. And, and Lamar Jackson and last year, too. Yeah. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. There's always been someone to ruin the Russell Wilson party, but I think it's his to lose this year. He's I averaging agree. three touchdowns a game. Yeah. I mean, how do you? I mean, who who's going to be competing with him? Like, Pat, there's Patrick Mahomes. Prescott might have been. Prescott might have been. Prescott might have been, but unfortunately got injured. I think the only real competitors for MVP right now, aside from Wilson, are Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and as a dark horse sleeper candidate, Josh Allen. But he's been struggling too. So, I mean, he was through the first four weeks. He was looking like potential MVP, but then he started struggling. So, I mean, who else can really go up against these three horsemen for the MVP? Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, maybe. Like, I, I'm, he... I, I say that as a bias because he's kicking butt on my fantasy team, but <laughs> the dude is a monster. 
Like he could just he can dominate teams by himself, in my opinion. He can run people over and get three yards a carry by himself. Like if he had no O line, he'd probably still get two and a half, three yards a carry, which is scary. Production wise, he might not be there, but like intimidation wise, he's a top ten player in the league. And I think someone we can also bring up for that is Ryan Tannehill. I think he has an oh, outside. <laughs> I mean, look at what the guy's done ever since he left Miami. I mean, he was he was the backup to Marcus Mariota, and then Marcus Mariota was turned out to be a fraud because he got injured. So they had to throw in Tannehill, and hey, why is this guy so good? What what happened to him? Where did he come from? Hey, this is this works out pretty nice for us. Let's go to the playoffs. Let's beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. Let's, exactly. beat, let's beat the Ravens while we're at it. But in the AFC Championship the game, yeah. <laughs> Then they they ran out of gas in that game. They were that's what I think happened against the Chiefs. They just ran out of gas. They were exhausted. They didn't expect to make it that far. Everyone was expecting the, the Patriots to just whip them and then move on. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, that didn't really happen. So other than that, I think those are the only real candidates for MVP. But I still it's Russell Wilson's to lose. It's going to be hit. This is his award, I think. If Dak was healthy, he would have had a shot. But no, it, it, I think it's going to be Russell Wilson finally taking an MVP home. Like, other than like, just it. he's earned it. Good guy. Good, amazing quarterback. Mm-hmm. You'd love to see him take home an MVP. Yeah, you know, too, Finley. You brought up, you know, fourth quarters earlier. You know, look at what uh, Russell Wilson did. I think it was the final two minutes against the Vikings. Yeah. You know, 4th and 10, throwing it to Metcalf in the end zone. Like I said, this the man is like Aaron Rodgers. He is Aaron Rodgers. There's Aaron Rodgers, and then there's his basically clone in Russell Wilson because Aaron Rodgers always finds a way to pull a win from seemingly out of nowhere in the last two minutes of the game. Russell Wilson pulls a rabbit out of the hat. Look at this. I found a victory. Here you go, Seattle. These last two weeks – as someone who's been around football my entire life, I've been absolutely blessed to see that drive and the two-minute drill that the Titans pulled off last week against the Texans. Those were two of the cleanest, most textbook two-minute drills I've ever seen in my entire life. And imagine if we got to see that in the Super Bowl this year with the Titans driving down before halftime and the Seahawks driving down in the fourth quarter to win the game. Oh, a Titan Seahawks Super Bowl would actually be really that would fun. Be amazing. Imagine it. Two That's really good coaches and Mike Rabel. And you know what? I'm putting my money down on that. I, I got a couple, I got a couple like little wow. bets in my head right now. Oh. It's for who's going to win the Heisman, but Mark, I'm putting my money down. Titans, Seahawks, Super Bowl, 2021. I see it. I see it, especially with the extra playoff spot. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Revin, you're laughing at me. What you're doing, Yeah, Finley, you should just take that to Vegas right now. (laughs) If Finley. I'm I'm not a real betting man, but (laughs) Jason. If you are right and somehow – it's a Titans and Seahawks Super Bowl. Put me down right now. I will buy you dinner if that happens. Oh, my God. I'm writing it down right now. 
I'm writing Salem, it down too. It's gonna be sticky notes ready. Yeah, I got the sticky notes ready right here. I got my San Diego State ones that they gave me as a as like a welcome gift <laughs> when I transferred this year. Oh yeah, welcome to a COVID invest. Welcome to a COVID nineteen infested campus where you're only gonna be able to uh, have classes online. Here's some here's a sticky notes and a sticker for you. Have fun. They gave me a backpack too, which I thought was really funny. Like, where am I gonna walk to? Am I gonna have to carry my books from my that I have stacked right here? Yeah, from the bedroom to the living room. Mm -hmm. I I don't even get out of the bedroom. This is it's my office. It's where I sleep. It's where I eat some most of the time. Like, what Super Bowl is this, by the way? Is this Super Bowl Fifty Five? Fifty. Oh, what Super Bowl is this going to be? Hold on, wait a minute. 55, right? I think so. I think it's... it's the yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be... Uh, 54? Oh right, hang on a minute. I'm looking this up right now. Uh, yeah, it's not 50. a big deal. I was just writing it down. No, it's 55. It's 55. Okay. okay. Uh, Titan Seahawks in Miami. Book my ticket right now. I mean, hey, we might you might be watching the Super Bowl in your room too. Who knows? It could be a viewing party. <laughs> I hope not. That'd be bad. <laughs> all I know is I'm. All I know is that my thanks to uh, COVID and San Diego State's making it to the bank. Super Bowl. Do you have the date on there? Finley, make sure you put the date on there. Ten twenty one twenty. Ten twenty one twenty. Ten twenty one. Happy birthday, Khalil Green. Yeah, Happy birthday, Khalil Green. Padres history. <laughs> One of the greatest shortstops to have played the game yes. since. Who, who, who he was easily our best shortstop ever since like before Tatis or at least until Tatis showed up. Ozzy Smith, Gary Templeton. Yeah, yes, them better than them. No argument. No, but he was <laughs> our he was our best. Khalil Green was our best shortstop for a while until you know Padre, the Padres Clubhouse named him the MVP of the 2007 season when they got beat by uh, Matt Holiday not touching the plate. We've already talked about this. <laughs> oh my god! But yes, happy birthday to Khalil Green. He was honestly one of my favorite years players. Old. He was one of my favorite players, and they traded yep. him. We did get Luke Gregerson out of him, though. Gregerson was great. Yeah, yeah Kevin Towers knew how to trade. Yeah, Kevin Towers was the uh, he was he was a rambling trading man. Didn't they call him the Gunslinger? Something. Like that. Yeah. That's about right. <laughs> All right, and on my little Fox sticky notes that my mom bought me maybe two, three years ago. I don't know if you can how well you can read this, but um, that's right there. Texans versus Seahawks Super Bowl. If it happens, I buy Finley dinner. Wait, do you say Texans? <laughs> don't don't, don't say change that. it. Texans down, dude. That, Titans versus <laughs> Seahawks. There we go. Oh my god, imagine the Texans somehow going off on like an incredible winning streak and making yeah, the world. You know what? It's it sounds impossible, but Deshaun Watson's really good and he seems like he's getting in a rhythm with his wide receivers and the noise is gone because Bill O'Brien is out of there and he's not the GM, he's not the head coach anymore. They're free of his reign. They're free of his dictatorship. So you know, I wouldn't say that they're going to be a Super Bowl team, but 
don't count out the Texans as a playoff team. Maybe they maybe they go eight and eight. I think the funny part is also apparently JJ Watt led like a player revolt against Hank, against uh, Bill O'Brien, which if you make JJ Watt mad, if what kind of a coach are you to make JJ Watt like the ultimate like nice person right upset with you? How bad of a coach yeah. are you? Yeah, and that's another reason to uh, put a uh, JJ Watt in the Hall of Fame. Let a player, re- let a crusade against Bill O'Brien. Let the revolt. Yeah, let the viva la viva la resistance for by JJ Watt. Remember the Reliant Stadium. <laughs> remember Reliant Stadium. Remember. Is it a Vialmo? I don't know. Remember De- for DeAndre either. Hopkins. <laughs> We're doing this for D Hop. We're doing this for. Um, clowny. We're doing this for everyone they traded away. We're doing this for Jeremy T- Laramie Tunsil for all uh, of you. Don't they still have Tunsil? Oh, yeah, that's right. They traded for Tunsil. Yeah. God. That was the Dolphins who made that trade, but they're cashing in now for those picks. They got those picks. Yeah, they, the difference in. between the Dolphins and the Texans was that the Dolphins knew what they were doing when they made those trades. Also, Dan Quinn also got getting fired, so the Falcons have been freed. Freed from the curse. Matt Ryan. What curse? That curse is still there. The Braves just choked away the World Series. <laughs> we, weren't even, we weren't able to talk about baseball today. Oh, my God. We're going to have to say that for next week. Go Rays. That's all we need to say. Go yes. Rays. Honestly. Thank you. Let, yes. Go Rays, please. Let's see Hunter Renfro and Manuel Margot prove their worth in Tampa Bay. Imagine yes. if Hunter Renfro... It's a it's a walk off grand slam against Kenley Jansen. Ooh, to win the World Series. To win the World Series, it I'm happens. <laughs> Can we write that down too? <laughs> Can I'll we? Put ten thousand down on that one. I'm not putting any money on that one because no, it's no just put it on the sticky note. Just put it on another sticky note, Jason. Yeah, Jason, that's for you. Yeah, that that yeah. that's my. That's, that's my something thing. I can memorize too because that's this week. The Super Bowl isn't until. February. February. Yeah. I was gonna say next year as like an exaggeration, but it is not until just February. Put it on the wall, Jason. Yep. Oh my god, but still just be like uh inside the NBA, just put all your bold predictions on the wall. Run for a grand slam versus Jansen. But yeah, Atlanta, why? Why is Atlanta just so obsessed with choking? First like the Falcons, then the Braves. Come on, guys, knock it off. Georgia Tech lost seventy three to seven. <laughs> George, oh man! And then, then Campusana gets arrested for weed. It's like, come oh, on. and let's not forget that Georgia got beat the crap out of by Alabama. Because uh, of course, they the did. number two versus number three team matchup really did not live up to the build. Like, dang! <laughs> oh my God, Atlanta, Georgia, why, why are you so bad? They're saying why the same thing you- about San Diego. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> cover up real quick we need to talk about trey young too look san diego at least we were expected to lose because we didn't have lamet and clevenger we were expected to lose what's the braves excuse That's do we point. need to talk about trey young in this conversation too i don't think we have time <laughs> to talk about trey young yeah, how much time do we have left uh like a minute okay yeah. All right. So anyway, we are unfortunately out of time now. So this has been picked off on KCR College Radio. I'm your host, Jason Freund. I'm joined by I'm Brevin Hunter. 
And I'm Andrew Finley. And we will see you guys hopefully next time. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>